We bout that inner fulfillment, sipping the cab, never spilling. Pinot Merlot, and any way the grape can give us that feeling. Business and marketing, sales revealing all of that realness. Health is wealth, are you with me? We talking wellness and chilling. Spilling anything but a drop. It's important to tell, it's not just about cash, but it's about doing more for yourself. So pour a glass, don't have to share with anyone else. Leave your problems on the shelf. You tuning in to wine and wealth. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wealth with Tony Leone. How are you, family? Alex, it's you and me today. What's up, my brother? What's going on? Happy to be here as always. Yeah, sorry the house looks like a tornado freaking hit it. As you walked in, I went, uh, my bad, dude. <laughs> well, you've got a kid. It's it's to be expected. Yeah. And well, I appreciate you saying that. It's been a crazy weekend. Mm. We were knee deep in potty training. Yeah, <laughs> well, I I, re- I remember those days with the little sister. Right. That's uh, basically running around the house with the little potty chair, going, "Please sit down." Oh, totally. Yeah, I've never been so close to all the bodily functions since my dirtbag love affair days. <laughs> but uh, you know, I quickly realized how behavioral potty training is. Okay, and it's interesting. Being someone who's in behavioral sciences and and certified in multiple sciences, I was like by halfway through day two, I said, how is a two and a half year old literally breaking me? Like (laughs) I was broken by by day two. (laughs) I'm going, what is happening? And, you know, like there's this book that we read called Oh Crap Potty Training by uh, Jamie Glowacki. I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name. And isn't it interesting? I mentioned to you earlier that you have to buy a book on something you already know how to do. Right. Well, <laughs> just exactly. to be able to teach someone else. Well, that's actually the misconception of most things that we want. We want outcomes, but what we have to do is change behaviors and okay. turn behaviors, turning behaviors into habits is what mm-hmm. we're looking for. Uh, so, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, you know, let's just take. You were you were just here. I was on a sales call with the CEO. And we're talking about having to change a habit of a sales team. Like COVID has introduced some different ways of travel, and this team's very used to hopping in the truck, going to see all their people in their territory, checking in with them in person. And due to COVID and wanting to cut costs, that that habit is going to have to change. And the conversation I was having with that CEO is. Well, let's first look at the behaviors mm-hmm. and I'll wrap in behaviors and motivators together with that. Yeah. And so we have to change those before they become a habit. And the outcome you want is you want them to do this process before they go. What he was saying was I want certain uh, objectives for each meeting. They're not just going to drop off a, a box of cookies. Right. Right. So uh, I'm like, cool, but we can't just tell them to do that. You have to go through all the ranks of changing behaviors and then continue to work on that behavior to make it a habit. And, and, then and I can already see how that even connects to having to potty train a two-year-old. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, so we read this book. This book was really good, but we screwed it up early. We tried this, the potty training um, about six months ago, and it didn't work, right? This book, Oh Crap Potty Training, the philosophy is he goes commando for a f- full day, right? Okay. His little tallywhackers hanging mm-hmm. out. It's hilarious. <laughs> and so the first time he peed on the floor, I like, 
I wasn't ready for it. I was like, no. Actually, he peed on the couch. Like, oh, no. Like he used it like a, you know, the side of a wall to, outside of a New York rock and roll club. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I was like, you got to spell your name? So, so I freaked out and I pick him up and I try to get in the potty. And what happened was I terrified him. Yeah. And so he ended up holding it for the next two days to where the fact we had to put a diaper back on him so he didn't get a UTI. So we failed it, but it was, it was my, uh, you know, basically as I'm trying to kind of walk someone towards a behavioral change or say in business, I basically shoved him off a cliff of behavioral change and he resisted, Mm. which is probably anyone in leadership is probably going, Oh man, I've probably done that a lot of times, whether it's trying to do it through authority, position authority. I know it's best for you, but I I don't want to go through the the hard work and details. Yeah. Uh, This happens a lot when a boss actually delegates a task but doesn't delegate the authority to someone underneath them to enforce that task yes so uh and and all this and those of you who are parents and leaders it's the same thing it's we reward the behavior that we want repeated and we punish the behavior we don't what i ended up doing quickly to him was i punished a behavior and he was like well screw this i'm just not going to do anything so you can't rush me off while my you know, I'm steady stream of pee all yeah, over Yeah, really? <laughs> this is my time, yeah. Dad. So the other book we did was, uh, this is what's interesting about taking different information and just using what's best for you. Uh, potty training in a weekend, which I think we were a little bit more mentally prepared. We kind of put together both of the strategies from both books. And this one was, uh, we had a little treasure chest. I don't know if it's over there, but we filled it with like toys and mm-hmm. and candy and, and stuff. And so every time he sat on the potty, we rewarded him for just trying. And then by the end of the day, sure enough, he was going to the bathroom. And I was like, hell yeah. Look at that. So it was a reward reward behavioral system. And then day two was you only reward him if he goes. Mm -hmm. And day three is no rewards. Just praise. You hope praise. Exactly. And and that's how leadership actually should look. Like if you look at the – I would encourage anyone to actually dissect situational leadership, which is a great book. Are they ready for the task at hand? Do they have the knowledge, the motivation? But then there's uh, another model. We call it the Leon leadership model is when you first hire someone, it's high left brain, low right brain, meaning typically when someone's brand new to an organization, they're emotionally very excited. They got the job. They're real excited. They want to please. They want to do it. So you don't need as much right brain uh components to your leadership style it's it's high left brain skills tasks this is what you need to do yeah then as you move in past maybe 30 60 90 days it's high left brain high right brain they still mm-hmm. don't have the skills but the excitement's worn off so we need to be like you're doing okay you're doing good yeah here's what the outcome for you is i'm here for you i'm your leader then what should actually start to happen is you evaluate where they are mm-hmm. and say which one needs more yeah. do they need still need more left brain what should be happening is left brain should have to go down a little bit Mm -hmm. and right brain should still be there. And then hopefully by the time they're rocking, it should only be right brain. But that's a component most people don't do. Right. Is you have a sales rock star that's killing it and you don't go over uh, on a quarterly or monthly basis and just go give them a bunch of attaboys, right? Right. That's great. You're doing a great, you make my life so much easier. I appreciate you every day. Mm-hmm. We tend to let those people just run and do what they call the lone wolf type thing. Right. And those people end up leaving for another job for more money because they don't feel appreciated, yep. blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Anyways. To, That's to, what led me here. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So there's a, you know, the, it's it's an interesting 
collide of behavioral stuff, motivational stuff, left brain, right brain. And it was weird how my entre-dad life was all of a sudden paralleling my entrepreneur life. I know, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's what I found really interesting about when you did bring up how you're like, you know, I've, I've been thinking today on how, you know, potty training and, you know, sales training is, you know, pretty similar and kind of now going through that, there are a lot of similarities. Have you noticed that just being a dad in general has made you a better sales trainer? Absolutely. Just having the, the patience to deal with a young child like that? No, it's not so much that part. It's being able to connect with my audience in sales training, actually. Okay. Most of them have children. Right. And so one of the key things that I get to connect with them about is, I don't have multiple kids. I only have one, but I do have uh, nieces, nephews, and mm-hmm. also have my own brother and sister. And what I would always tell them is anybody. I said, look, if you have two kids and you look at both of them and you try and convince them to do that something, the same parenting style. Mm-hmm or the same leadership style, would you be successful? And they almost always go, of course not. With this one, I got to be a little bit more caring. This Mm -hmm. one, you have to take things away. Right. It's the same thing with selling and leadership. Mm -hmm. And so most salespeople and sales leaders are only going to bat with what made them successful, what makes them happy, what motivates them. And that's why EQ comes into play with such so many sales we we talk about how eq is going to be the highest commodity in in the business world as we move forward in the more ai machine learning disconnection uh technologies constantly disrupting that that's why eq is going to be such a high commodity mm-hmm. it's that element to be able to recognize the differences in other people mm-hmm. and put yourself in other people's shoes is what makes it key and that's what we talk about we talked about it last time with my old man on eq but uh give it a little bit more context so you know i don't know if it's so much as having a kid what happens is a child will quickly remind you that because they don't have anything else all they have is their behavior to f you up (laughs) yeah it's like you know (laughs) i can't take away his commission plan no you can't right (laughs) and even worse he He's got this unbelievable bottom lip curl. Oh. And you're like, it, it breaks your heart. I wasn't going to give you the juice box. And he's like, I want the juice box. Oh, and then you're like, okay, fine. And you're broken, right? <laughs> sales, My sweet boy. Right. If a, if a uh, prospect is asking me for an extra six months of consulting at the same price, I'm, you know, a lip curl isn't going to work. No, not quite so much. <laughs> so, that's probably the difference is what would you do with your kid? Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to what are your characteristics of how you stay steadfast in certain things. I think yeah. that's a big aspect of parenting, but what do I know? I'm just getting going. So, yeah, you know, we were all about the reward system this time. He's at school today, so hopefully that's going well. And uh, not to knock you too far off maybe topic, but – um. You know, since you are a new dad, how, how old is he? He's He'll be three at the end of January, so he's about yeah. two and a half. So, so yeah, you, you've been doing this for roughly three years, but you've been doing the sales training and everything for a little over 15. Yeah. How different has it been now trying to juggle? Basically, you, you've kind of come up with a new term, entre-dad. Right. I've looked around on Instagram, at least. I had not been used by many folks, so I, I'm at least throwing that your way. You, you've, at least in our circle, have come up with that. Yeah. How has that kind of changed the workflow for someone kind of maybe getting into the entrepreneurship game, but has the family? Well, I think probably 
all it did was highlight for a lot of people that weren't entrepreneurs how hard this is. Right. Right. So you're still working from home. You're still doing kitchen table stuff. I have the co-working space that I use. Uh, we have to get creative when the co-working spaces went down. That was a, certainly a challenge. Right. When I was able to take refuge when my kid isn't at school. Mm-hmm. You throw on top of the fact that my kid goes to private school, so he's been going back since June. Yeah. Where a lot of parents are doing virtual learning. So it's actually, I would say, entrepreneur or not, right now, it's a struggle for everyone. Oh, Everyone's yeah. kind of feeling what it's like to be an entrepreneur. I used to call it being an intrapreneur, mm. especially in selling. You have your own, you run in your own business, you just don't have the overhead. Right. So probably most people are experiencing for the first time exactly what it's like to be an entrepreneur uh, and the challenges that come with it. So I don't think COVID's really highlighted anything. It's just kind of, I get to look around and go, see, uh-huh. it ain't all freaking <laughs> roses over here that I get to stay at home and not deal with traffic. Right. It's not, I don't, I don't take any joy in that, but it, it is kind of uh it's different though. It is different. And it's different for everybody. So, but then throwing like being a new dad on top of that, because, yeah, so that's because what, you're going to be a new dad until they're like seven or eight, yeah. you know, because you're going to be jumping through so many brand new hurdles. Once it reaches seven and eight, it's like, you know what hurdles are going to be coming, right. but it's like they're, they are at least a little more emotionally intelligent. You can kind of talk with them a bit more on a even keel, but it's like up till then you're going to be new dad status up till that. Yeah. I think what not enough people talk about is that very specific challenge. It, okay. It's specifically what we're talking about here, which is habits and routines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a great routine that I was waking up early whether it was 4 35 5 30 i remember you telling me that. working out getting after it and then all of a sudden valentina starts waking up at 5 30 right and who does he want to see dad mm-hmm. um you know as much as he loves mom he's with mom a lot yeah so he knows dad's downstairs in the garage working out and he wants and as soon as he comes downstairs to work out it's like the whole routine's off mm-hmm. adds an extra 45 minutes to my morning because yeah. he's trying to do pull-ups with dad it's the whole thing <laughs> so these are the kind the of little micro things to me what i've learned is i'm trying to soak up information from a lot of people that i respect in in the marketplace yeah uh whether it's a jaco willink talking about his uh, his his morning routines. Tim Ferriss about his routines about productivity. Uh, whether it's Joe or uh, just other, whether it's Gary or other people in the speaking marketplace that I I really respect. I try and take all that with context to be flexible mm-hmm. within my own life, but not let it get too far off. See, yeah. I think what happened early. This is for me personally. The first year I threw. Everything out the window. I said, all right, three days went by without working out. Well, what's three days? Now it's three months. Mm-hmm. And now I've committed to never letting that happen. Right. And hating it when three, like the three days is a trigger. Like, get your fat ass back in there. Yeah. I don't care what it takes. If he wakes up at five, tomorrow you wake up at four. Mm-hmm. Now, am I going to wake up at four every day? No, no because I value my sleep. <laughs> so, but there's these little things that I've learned to try and adjust. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, what would you say are some of those keys? So let's say, you know, maybe someone's listening. They're not a father or a right. dad. If or you're a not parent. a father right now, get, but getting, I wish but I had a time them, machine. Oh yeah. Get dude. after it. But, but getting yourself into that, what you're talking about, just that rhythm and kind of getting yourself in that discipline. Because I know we were listening, uh, we were listening to, um, and, um, Tony Robbins, yeah. uh, talking about kind of retraining your brain and kind of getting yourself, you know, 
on that same playing field. And it seems like you were doing that kind of right. in your own way. So yep. what were some of the methods that worked for you, even in a sales realm of getting yourself retrained to where the uh, pain outweighed what wound up being the negatives? That's a, that's a good question. You know, first of all, I, I got excited about just certain outcomes. Mm -hmm. And what I started to do was just give myself blocks in terms of, all right, at least by this time in the morning, I want to have one of these two outcomes. Either I've gone and kicked my ass in my gym mm -hmm. for an hour, or I have sat down and created a plan for the day. Okay. And I simplified it. Those are the only two outcomes I needed before Valentino went to school. Okay. And those two then would dictate the next block. So if okay. I did one where I said, all right, today's the plan for the day. Here are the three outcomes I want on the business side. And that that I got in that plan. Cool. Mm -hmm. I know the workout comes then post that. Right. If I worked out, all right, then the next thing I do is when I when Valentino leaves, now I gotta create the plan for the day, shower, execute. Okay. That's one of the things I did like about um Jaco Willink's book, uh, which is uh Extreme Ownership, mm -hmm. it's a leadership book. Prioritize and execute. Prioritize and execute. That's one habit that I've I've put into play. Mm -hmm. To as simple as all right, if I know I'm going to work out in the morning, set your clothes out so you know even if it's pitch black in the dark and the wife's still sleeping, you know where your shoes are, you know where your shorts are, you know where your shirt is, and you just get up and go and walk in the gym, turn mm -hmm. on the lights. What pain did you create for yourself to make sure you actually adhered to those rules that you created? Uh, I was sitting in my car and looked down at my gut hanging over my belt. <laughs> so was vanity. Like, yeah. <laughs> vanity was yeah. the pain. If you want to call it that, yeah. yeah. Now, the Tony Robbins thing was pretty interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So if you remember in one of the first two audios of that he has you do an exercise where you put yourself one year three mm -hmm. years five years 10 years 50 years and like he has a really powerful way of putting you in that moment mm -hmm. of like what you don't want to look like and what you do want to look like yes. and i actually got quite emotional so i think what it did was exactly what it was intended to do which was an nlp standpoint where i anchored an emotion mm -hmm. to an activity um, I needed someone to lead me down it. So yeah. uh, for me, it was Tony Robbins, mm -hmm. uh, the personal power stuff, especially the early ones, uh, the early tapes. And then that's the kind of stuff that, as we're talking about habits, right? Yeah. Habits aren't things we think about, right? You don't think about brushing your teeth or mm -hmm. wiping your ass. Mm -hmm. You just don't. You do them because they're a habit. You're exactly. like, oh, this is a behavior that I've been meaning to continue <laughs> to do. So when you anchor something to it, like on the perspective of trying to have different outcomes of my days as an entre dad, uh -huh. part of it was probably anchoring that emotion to certain things I either am or not doing. Right. And so that's where it is. It's not like I went, oh, my God, if I don't do this, I'll, I might have a heart attack before Tina's 16. All right, that's part of it. But was I able to anchor that emotion of maybe seeing him over my hospital bed. And, and that's something I dealt with as a kid is watching my dad having a quadruple bypass surgery. Yeah. So I was able to have that kind of moment already and mm -hmm. attach that to either doing something or not doing something. So right. it's all about really anchoring these emotions uh, to certain behaviors, which is why it's so tricky with on the sales side and business side. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, not enough leaders 
in certain roles have these really personal conversations to be able to anchor something to. It's all surface level and even worse, most sales leaders are trying to motivate you based on their own value system mm-hmm. when you have a different, a totally different subset. Like, so I have this book right over here. It's um, Types of Men by Edward Spranger. Okay. And so what he talks about are these uh, main motivators that each, and sorry ladies, back in what, like 1918 when this book was written, they weren't exactly uh, (laughs) (laughs) free-thinking progressives, okay? It's men and women. Uh, I haven't found a difference. But, um, yeah, so it was, this one says 1928. Okay. And that's when someone actually wrote when they bought it, so I don't even know if that's the release date. But anyways, what what we tend to do in motivation when we're trying to motivate, we try and motivate you based on my own, value system so for me i motivate myself through resourcefulness like getting time and money back for efforts that i put in yeah um quite a commanding individual like when i look at the power in my life i'm a little less collaborative i'm a little bit more i want to fall on the sword if i get it wrong i want to be praised if i get it right in advance and for someone like me it's hard to understand someone who is not money motivated Mm -hmm. and that they're more security motivated or they're more selfless with their life. They're a little bit more free giving Mm -hmm. with their time. And these aren't right or wrongs. It's just, uh, if I have someone like that on my team and they've made their way into my sales team, this is a challenge. If a lot of salespeople are on salary, Mm -hmm. uh, most sales managers are money motivated, especially if they're bonused on team success. Mm -hmm. But if you had salaried salespeople, they're probably, found their way into a salaried sales position because they prefer security. Yeah. Like people like me mm-hmm. don't want a salary. I don't right. need, I don't want a ceiling to my ability. Mm-hmm. Like I want it. Like the more I sell, the more I want to make. Yeah. That's why when we hire someone in sales, we look for, if you have a commission based, uh, sales team mm-hmm. you want money motivated individuals oh, yeah, because they're gonna I, because they're gonna have more of a drive to go out there and get the sale and of make course. the good commitment. Yeah. And this isn't something that, um, is r- rocket science when no. it comes to, to selling. But but it's sh- also common sense. And I noticed that even outside of the world of sales, sometimes common sense can't be that common. And nope, sometimes saying the true. most basic things does sometimes click with folks. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that, but I forgot that. Well, it's evident in where if, if salespeople have salaries, how many times a CEO or a uh, sales manager, they tend to be that more driving personality, try and lead a sales team by motivating them with money when they very clearly hired people for a security type of sales job. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong however you do it, but, um, well, no, I take that back. I totally think you should always have commissioned sales teams unless they're in an account management role and you have that kind of personality that lends to securing relationships uh, over the long term, this, mm-hmm. that's another podcast for another day. But back to just what I was saying is understanding the motivating factors behind how you. And here's the other thing: say you have a team of ten people. Mm-hmm. Out of those ten people, you're going to find six of them have different motivators from you and each other. So not only can you not blanket it to one team, you have to be individualistic, which goes back to how do I have a deeper conversation with somebody to attach what emotion or motivation you have to an outcome that I'm trying to get from you. Yes. And that that makes all the sense in the world. And people mistake motivators and behaviors, right? And personality really. So what would be the main difference? So like 
let's just say a personality is uh, how you do something. Mm-hmm. We have different personalities. Yes. You and I. We interpret information differently. Mm-hmm. We have a slightly different uh, verbal, mm-hmm. like rate of speech, right? Yeah. Uh, you're more of a critical thinker. I'm more of a shoot at the hip, kind of mm-hmm. you're more a uh, planner. Yeah. I'm more of a do it. Do it. <laughs> right. And do it. We'll figure it out. Exactly. So we have different personalities. Right motivationally we probably have similar motivators mm-hmm. right we want to be more individualistic we want to be more resourceful with our time and get money back or or at least freedom of something yes, if we're going to absolutely. put any effort into something uh so See the return I, right i don't know if you're an altruistic person or an individualistic person or if you are someone that is a team player versus a lone wolf we We'll figure that out when we look at your assessment. Yeah, that's and, gonna be fun. And that's what's interesting about motivators is you kind of have to assess for them. You're not. It's really hard to see someone's value system by just talking to you. I can see right. your personality. It's really hard to see your your value system. Yeah, you kind of have to tell me what it is. So the again, what we look at is so many times is I try and lead you on your personality or your behavior that I see mm-hmm. the how, mm-hmm. and I don't consider the why. Got it. Yeah, and and if I really want to move you, mm-hmm. I got to touch your why. Yeah. Now, how you begin to accept me guiding you down that is the personality is it I have is. to speak how you want to be spoken with. Right. And and I, and I find that winds up being a struggle with a lot of upper management positions because they don't see the need in that. They see it as possibly I'm the boss. Just do as you know you need to do. Kind That's of. That's one challenge. Absolutely. Well, think about it. I love change. Mm-hmm. change excites me like like if i could you know change every six months something about my business that because i look at it as opportunity there's another personality this might be yours i don't mm-hmm. know uh actually i do know some of it change is like it's been going really good mm-hmm. at a steadfast pattern right every day i wake up it's it's consistency nothing's gonna rock me nothing's mm-hmm. gonna set me up inviting change into my life is not exactly what I'm down with. I, honestly, I would say I am a comfortable 50-50 on that. And the reason I say that is I do thoroughly enjoy change. Like uh, a little bit of like personal history. I've Honestly, the place I've lived right now has probably been one of the longest places like apartment-wise or in a house that I've lived. Like right. I move all the time. So it's like I love having a new change of scenery. I like having a new job. I like having a new task. And that's why I'm enjoying what I'm doing now because even though it's the same thing, digital media – it's working with you one day and then working with a band another day and then working with, you know, someone else another day. So right. it's enough change and difference. But, but I like being able to have the security of, okay, I know I'm right here right now. I only have the ability to go up. Yeah. It's the fear of the getting cut back down, like what your dad was saying the other week, the having the parachute. If you mm-hmm. have the parachute, you're not going to succeed. I'm having to become more comfortable with letting go of the parachute a couple days a week, you right. know, and stuff like that. And to the point now where, you know, yeah, I'm having to look at that parachute going, I don't know if that's for me anymore, you know, and right. stuff like that. So it, it, that is a comfort level I'm having to get used to. So that's why I would say I'm pretty well in the middle of the 50, 50. I like change yeah. as long as I know that change 
isn't going to knock me back too far because that's when the anxiety hits. <laughs> it, it might, so that's exactly it. You like you like change as long as it comes with a level of security. Not even a level of security, a level of confidence. Okay. I don't have to be secure in it, Alex, but I have to at least be confident in where I'm going. You could cloak it in every bullshit comment you want. <laughs> confidence, whatever. The, okay. But you didn't leave the job you hated mm-hmm. until it was guaranteed that I could hire you. Right. Right. That's very true. Call it confidence. Call it security. Mm-hmm. That's and this is actually a conversation that we have with a lot of people. Is like okay. when it, we start going back and forth on. Well, this is actually me. When we actually shine a magnifying glass on. All right. Well, let's look at past performance. Mm-hmm. And there's these kind of things that say. Well, you know what? Maybe you're right. What, what you? The best service I can give, like you or anybody else, I'm talking to is. What you're actually talking about is you have evaluated in the past where change was good, but still a habit or a behavior is I'm going to resist it until I have the security. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, I agree. And so moving forward, hypothetically, let's just say that, look, I don't want you to, this is very hypothetical, yeah, yeah. but I don't want you to run back to a job when times get tough. Mm-hmm. Just note well that where that comes from is when the there is some sort of bump in the road that could impact your security. Yeah. Like, let's just say, I don't know. I lost all my contracts and I have to move to Texas to yeah. take a job. You'd be like, oh. right? there, <laughs> at it, least for a few hours. And yeah. you, would, you would recognize that moment and be like, do I have to now go get a full-time job again? And mm-hmm. so maybe the coach would be like, all right, let's evaluate. Is this my personality? What are the outcomes and all that stuff would right. come into play. So, and that's, and honestly, like for the 50-50 side I'm in, I think because I've kind of jumped away from having the 100% secure full-time job that if that large hypothetical happened and you did have to completely move away, I don't think my first instinct would be find a new job. It would be time to do this harder. Yeah. It, it, I feel like at this point, I've pushed past the uncomfortable to the point where I'm using it to my advantage. I'm still got a long way to go. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It makes sense. And and it's kind of interesting how, again, we can even wrap this all the way back to the beginning about the potty training. He had that one scary instance uh, of you doing the, ah, yeah. and he didn't want to do it again. And I've just had a few of those in my life of the, ah, right. and that's kept me from, I've held it in for a few days afterward. You yeah. know, <laughs> he can hold it, bro. <laughs> I picked up this magazine. I don't know where it was. Um, Finding Good Habits. Okay. I love this quote. Um, We think that happiness is about our circumstances, but really happiness stems from our behaviors. Mm. And in there it talks about from behaviors to habits. I thought uh, Emily Emily Joshu wrote the article, and she's referring to also a PhD, Lori Santos, who's a, a psychology professor at Yale. Okay. She runs a podcast called the happiness lab. So we'll have to check that out. Maybe talk a little, but I thought thought it was really, it makes a lot of sense, right? If you really evaluate it, say the quote again. Uh, We think that happiness is about our circumstances, but really happiness stems from our behaviors. So what do you glean from that? Mostly like, what do you pull from that to put in your daily life, especially in the sales world? You know, I think all I can speak for is me. Of course. This is the one in wealth with Tony Leone. Yeah. <laughs> it, 
at least for me, I'm always searching. And I okay. think that's probably innate to most humans. We're constantly searching. Whether it's and it's for this thing, right? It's mm-hmm. like for this destination that we call happiness. Right. And where people probably tend to be unhappy is if they've created behaviors and habits where the outcome is inevitably unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And my mom was just talking to one of her old classmates. She told me this story and she was just like, I can't believe this is how people live. And she's from South Jersey where if you talk to her almost Every single one of her friends she grew up with still lives like in the same borough of New Jersey that they grew up in. Right. It's just the way it was. Just in that she said when I left, it was like shocking to people. And she talked to a guy and he said, I'm retired after 40 years. I don't have to set foot in that hellhole one more time. Hmm. Think about that. What was preventing him from doing a sooner? Uh, you have to ask him. You're but right. He'd created behaviors mm-hmm. that turned into habits where the outcome was, and probably the behavior was work hard every day. Yeah. It could be that. Show up and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And who knows what the behaviors were before that. Didn't create enough skill. Maybe some behaviors had him dropping out of school. Maybe, whatever it is, it led mm-hmm. to that. I mean, it's the same for... Uh, Massive drug use. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's a behavior that leads to an outcome that leads to. Uh, so I think we're all made up of these micro decisions we make over time. Yeah. It's not one massive decision that creates your circumstance. You don't smoke a cigarette and then get lung cancer. Yeah. You smoke multiple cigarettes <laughs> over, right? You don't take one drink and become an alcoholic. Exactly. So you don't make one little decision and it creates this massive circumstances. And so whichever your compass is pointing is the one that's going to dictate your happiness. So it's not the circumstance you're in, but it's the behavior and the habit that you've been creating up to this point where it gets hard mm-hmm. is you end up on your dad where you, I've created certain habits that were either good or bad right. through my behaviors. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I want to change, right? Let's just say I want to change for my son or I want to change just because I've got new goals in life. Right. But I'm carrying with it these certain behaviors and habits that might've, who knows where they came from. I'm not even referencing anything specific because yeah. I know I'm just, I'm in, I'm an imperfect person. I know there were plenty of them there. Now the time's harder because you, you're sharing it with, a human being that you're trying to keep alive, mm-hmm. you're sleep deprived. <laughs> right? And that, that changes a lot. You have, you have less money, <laughs> right? Yeah. I can't go to, you know, a three day power weekend seminar anymore. Yeah. So there's that kid wants raisins, man. <laughs> exactly, he does yogurt covered raisins. But I mean, those are the kind of things that then become really hard. Right. Right. So that's why I said, if you don't have a, uh, a family right now mm-hmm. holy shit get after it evaluate your habits and babies it's a lot easier a lot more fun to do it with freedom some personal capital to build the wealth the time yeah it gets harder here but you know what the motivation's heavier when you have a kid so you're yeah, like more exactly. motivated to do it uh the the thing is what's really cool is if you want to change your circumstances all you have to do is start beginning to change your behavior mm-hmm. and once you get some consistency there that leads to happiness. Right. And the thing is, it's not the, and that's what I mean. It's not the destination that creates the happiness. Mm-hmm. It's, I had a good day. 
right? Whether I worked out and then the next day I had another good, and then by a month you look at your last 30 days and you're like, oh hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I looked at my last month and I went to hot yoga four times. Yeah. I've never done yoga in my life. <laughs> I decided to do the hard version. You know what? I look back on I'm like, I feel a bit more flexible. I feel good. I got more mm-hmm. energy. Now it's like a habit. So like these yeah. little things, the challenge is, is like, so like there's this other book that I have by Dr. Sheldon Glass. It's called Life Control. This is an old book. I want to show you something freaking hilarious though, by the way. Okay. I'm going to open all, this all the dog-eared uh, pages. Yeah. Those are a lot of, so I bought this book from a, old bookstore in New York. Right. Because it's not a popular book. It's called Life Control. Um, look at the bookmarks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now explain to, to people in podcast land what you think you're looking at. Uh, seems like um, magazine clippings from old, uh, I'd say, 60s, 70s uh, adult magazines. Yeah, close. But they're more like a brochure. Yeah. Oh, it's uh looks like for a swingers club or, yeah. or like a nudist colony. It's uh so I looked up the place. Okay, the Bamboo Lounge. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. That dude looks happy, doesn't he? Oh, that, he he seems extremely happy. He's got two two, two ladies mm-hmm, topless mm-hmm. bathing him. Yeah, you, you got a nice little jacuzzi and yeah. everything. What nice else was in there? Scape. I don't know if it's in there, but was a uh non-smoking boarding pass to New York, LaGuardia. Okay, yeah, that that one yeah. that one uh, wasn't in the little section you. I love me, but. how that this was in the life control book, right? Yeah. yeah. So I looked it up. By the way, it was a brothel in okay, New York. Yeah. Got raided by the by the FBI. No shit. Mafia brothel. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. So those a little piece of history there. But in this book, which is not related to the brothel, uh, life control has four areas. When anyone's trying to come to a decision or outcome, it's introductory phase Mm -hmm. then there's resistance testing phase then there's productivity phase and then there's a termination phase so you can look at this from like moving right Mm -hmm. you want to buy a new house and you want to get your family to all say here we're going to move to a different part of the uh, state or country yeah to business to your whole life right Mm -hmm. introductory phase you're born resistance testing is probably puberty and teenage years <laughs> <Yeah>. then productivity <laughs> years coming your 20s 30s for then termination phase is it like so it could be macro or micro and without understanding that that every decision goes through these four phases inevitably resistance testing crushes a lot of dreams and mm-hmm. a lot of pursuits and that certain people will be in different phases at certain times so like if i introduce something new to my wife I could be, I could have already gone through the thought process of introductory phase and my own resistance testing phase. And now I'm in productivity phase and I bring it up to her. She just went through introductory and she's going through resistance testing. Mm-hmm. Right. So the reason I bring this up is because you have to take all this shit, which is data, motivators, behaviors, personalities, rewards and consequences, life control to certain phases. And you know what? And I'll admit it, not everybody is Tony Leone has been privy to this information for behavioral science, which is what I grew up around. So the only reason I'm saying is I I just want people to have some, uh, I want to relieve some guilt. Like if if you're bumping up against the road a lot of times, if things just haven't happened and you're like, all right, Tony, it's easier said than done to change behaviors and create these micro habits. I was just about to say that because you'll run into people that want to change but are self-admittedly self-destructive. They're like, I want to get better, but I can't get myself to get better. Yeah. 
Well, they've probably, who knows if they had a parent that forever kept them in resistance testing, Mm -hmm. right? And you never got out of a resistance testing type life. What if you're stuck in resistance testing because you had an an effed up adolescence? There you go. Right? So there's all these weird things. And and hopefully, as people continue to listen to podcasts, we shed some light on this behavioral stuff. But regardless... You don't have to have these like massive sweeping changes to have massive impact, right? It's it's kind of like it, all this change that we're trying to talk about, trying to change Tino's habits, trying to change sales team, they're micro. And what happens is just like compound interest, right? It builds and builds and builds and builds off of like one or two small decisions. And for those of you that find yourself being a competitive individual, Right, and I don't mean like I want to be better than my neighbor. You're competitive, like just say in sales, right? I want to be better than my competitor. You don't have to have like a hundred of these like behavioral changes happening all at once. Mm-hmm. I go with the assumption that a lot of my sales competitors aren't going to do what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. and that by just starting to drive this tiny little wedge between us and them, by next year, um. I'm so far ahead of you because I just compounded and compounded. Yep. So for anyone out there, and look, I haven't arrived, right? The whole thing's a journey. I have not figured this whole thing out. I still got tons of habits that I need to overcome personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I will say is in the last five years, I've gotten better at paying attention to the micro decisions in my life. And I've seen from an outcome standpoint that they have improved things that I'm now surrounded by. Is it perfect? Do I have the like 5,000 square foot house on, on the way, <laughs> lake? Not yet. You're halfway there. But I'm halfway <laughs> there, baby. Yep. So there it is. I think uh, as we look at behavioral changes, probably a pretty good time to wrap it up. Hopefully my kid didn't shit himself at school, but you know what? It's his teacher's problem today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So we'll put um, references to some of the stuff in the show notes. Life control. Good luck trying to find this book. It's impossible, but potty training books, if you care. (laughs) Oh crap. Potty training. (laughs) Any other entre dads out there? Entre moms. Right. Yeah. Um, And just for, again, micro things, because I'm not a uh, voracious reader. I'm an audio book type person. I love picking up these little like magazines. Like mm-hmm. if there's like one, so this one, uh, the real simple special edition, finding good habits. Boom! I pick it up, find a couple things, there's some gold in there. Try and simplify. All right, excellent. Man. Uh, you got anything for the people as we roll out of here? Uh, nah, I think it's been a stacked episode. It's one of the better ones we've done so far. Thanks, man. All right, that, you know what it is? We're going to evaluate this over a year. A podcast over coffee versus a podcast over wine. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Interesting. We'll have to see. We'll have to, we'll, we might have to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> Coffee with Tony. Coffee time. Yeah. <laughs> Anything going on in your world? Any rock and roll stuff that you want to tell the people about? <sighs> Not that I'm ready to announce yet. Um, if you're interested in checking out some uh, personal graphic work, check the show notes. Uh, check me out on Instagram, stiff.media. I'm starting to take in some new clients, getting a little bit more worked up here since I've been working with you a bit more, getting out some more videos of yep. stuff that isn't strictly music related. So I'm getting Good a little bit more of a portfolio to show off. So it's important. It's building. It's growing. You are uh, certainly eating it right now building a portfolio yeah it's fun though good 
I, I, I don't see this as a struggle. This is the exciting part that's, for me. That's all that matters. That's right. All right, family. Well, it's been fun. Uh, stick with us. We're just getting started. And until next time, happy selling. Peace.